Hello and welcome to the Ausstream podcast. Today we are discussing industrial overcapacity in China and Talking to me today is lead analyst at China Policy for Energy, Industry and Environment, Xiao Nanxin. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me here.、Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Let's just briefly explain to our listeners the concept of overcapacity. They've probably heard of it before whilst they're perusing through the Financial Times, but what does it actually mean? So to understand the term overcapacity, we have to understand the term capacity. So capacity does not mean Um, equal to output, so capacity means that the maximum capability of you producing certain types of goods. And overcapacity is a regular consequence of industrial investment, and it's quite common among different countries. But it will only become a problem when it's severe overcapacity. So the standard for severe overcapacity,、uh, there isn't、uh, an international standard. So another concept is about Capacity utilization ratio, which means how much of your machine is being used to produce certain types of goods. So if it's over eighty percent, that means it could be slight overcapacity, but it's not alarming. But if it's seventy percent, which in the case most of、uh, some of the Chinese industry are having, this is severe overcapacity, and it's、uh, something that needs to be addressed. For those listeners who are confused as to what's all the fuss about overcapacity, we're talking about it today because we recently reached, released a report, Ausstream, that is, about doing business in China in 2017. It was second most listed、um, threat to China's economic ambitions and future by Australian companies operating in China. So that's where the chamber's primary concern comes in for overcapacity. Following on from that, could you detail some of the spillover effects from industrial capacity beyond economic activity and profit?、Um, so the most direct effect is that、uh, it means your industry suffering from low efficiency and your business, and it's a waste of resources. And a lot of factories or your production equipment is being idled or non-operational, and it does not see the light of being operational in the short term. That's the most direct impact on that. When it's、uh, overcapacity, the factories often have the drive to overproduce to produce in the same way as they did before, but the market cannot consume enough. So this means that the supply is much more than the demand in the market, and which will drive down the price. And will lead to the low profitability for your company, and maybe your company will suffer from loss and deficit, and eventually go bankrupt. But many of the industries suffering from overcapacity in China are big state-owned enterprises in steel, aluminium, as well as in shipbuilding, and even some of the emerging sectors. So the banks they have the intention. And the government is supporting the banks to continue the loans to the enterprise who are already doing bad, which will lead to bad loans and threaten the financial stability. For exports, as you cannot domestically consume the products, it is motivation for the company to export more 
So, which is one of the reasons that cause the frequent trade frictions between China and many of its trading partners, including the EU and the US. On the social side, overcapacity, as I mentioned before, may lead to the bankrupt of your company and your deficit and loss. So, this will directly impact jobs and employment. If you think about the environmental consequences, many of the companies. Uh, suffering from overcapacity in the sectors which is heavy industry, cement, aluminium, steel, and highly polluting and bad for the environment. Absolutely, absolutely. You mentioned before that it was primarily affecting state-owned enterprises. Is there a reasonable difference as to why that is relative to their private counterparts in the same industry? So the private companies they are more, they are equally impacted by the market because they are also in the market. One of the major issue with state-owned enterprises, their efficiency are really low in the in terms of management and changing or divert their investment into other areas. So in a way that they cannot respond to the market reality really fast.、Okay. Also, the because the state-owned enterprises, the government has the incentive to support it even when it's not being very efficient. So a lot of loans are going there, which further Exacerbate the overcapacity. One of the key things that was realised in this report, and it was actually listed within one of the major concerns for Australian businesses operating in China, the grand view of China's overall economic outlook. Public sector debt was one of the other primary concerns, which links into our next question. I mean, how much of industrial capacity is determined by the central government, and how much by the free market? Obviously, for state-owned enterprises, it's an easy answer, but just for the economy as a whole. I would say that overcapacity is driven by the central government, local government, as well as the enterprise themselves. In early 2000, Chinese government already realized there is overinvesting and overheating market, especially for the industrial sector. But the reality being, at that time, China's economy is mainly driven by investment and export rather than domestic consumption. The investment makes these industries growing, and after, especially after the 2008 global financial crisis, the central government basically have less incentive to cut the overcapacity, which is a problem they realized five or six years ago, and they did the four trillion Chinese yuan stimulus package. Which further stimulated the market and the investment and real estate development and the industrial overcapacity continued and exacerbated after 2008. And another、uh, key reason behind the overcapacity is local government. Central government will set the targets for economic growth every year, and for 2018, it's、uh, 6.5%. And local government, their role is to make sure that they hit the targets. The reason behind this is local governments, especially the government officials, their promotion are closely linked with the GDP targets, whether they can hit the targets or not. So, despite the growing overcapacity, the local government still pursue industrial expansion as a result of. Going after high GDP and employment, as most of the industrial production they employ a lot, and the production and even the construction of the factories will bring up 
other industries that is related. For example, if you're building a steel factory and you need concrete and you need steel, so which is created a vicious cycle. So the majority, I would say, um, industrial overcapacity is caused by the central government's directive and China's economic reality. And for the enterprise, sometimes when they are investing, not only in China, but this is worldwide problem, when they are investing, there's a time lag and asymmetrical information. So when they are investing, maybe the market is doing well and the price for certain products is rising. By the time that you're Capacity for producing all these products are being built. You are already, uh, the price for the products are already going down and you have already invested a lot into the sector, into the factories. And this is a sunk cost. You have the intention just to keep them running. So both the government and the enterprise contribute to the overcapacity problem in China. So it seems to me that there are multiple layers of moral hazards throughout industrial capacity. The issue of GDP targeting being closely related to career progression for provincial governments. And then you have the 2008 crisis, which obviously was just a personification of how moral hazard seeps into the economy. The grounded question I have lagging off from your answer there, how willing are those provincial governments and industrial sectors to adapt to China's changing economic composition? So as you mentioned before, from primarily export driven to consumer demand driven, and how does that relate to the wider top? It is always difficult to give up something that has been developed for probably since the establishment of the of People's Republic of China, especially for the very core sectors like aluminum, coal, and uh, steel production, as well as cement. However, China is investing more into the new sections, which is why the Made in China 2025 strategy is coming out. And a lot of investment has been diverted to strategic emerging industries. And the government's support towards these sectors are much, much more than their support towards the steel industry. So it is transitioning, but in a slow pace. And especially when the old industries themselves are transforming themselves, are transforming as well. And in a way that they have to be clean and they have to be profitable in order to survive in the competitive market. There's always sentiment towards not letting the steel industry or the coal industry go. But this is happening in the Rust Belt in the US as well as happening in China. And since the launch of the uh, cutting over capacity campaign in 2016, um, it is estimated that millions of jobs are being affected. It is never easy to just shut down the factories and let people find their employment. In a broader sense, it depends on how the education will be contributing to job transitioning of the unemployment. So it depends on a lot of factors. It reminds us that these sort of economic dynamics don't happen in a vacuum. You can take an example. Australia is currently going through a similar situation where we're trying to wean off our reliance on coal, even though for the last couple of decades, our primary export has been minerals and raw resources. So we can fully understand the unwillingness, for lack of a better phrase, going to different ventures. Let's refocus again onto the government. What is the latest five-year plan and party meetings concluded on the issue? So starting from 2016, the government started to set targets for the cutting overcapacity in two sectors, 
steel and coal from their targets before 2020 is to cut 140 million tons of steel capacity and 800 million for coal. So by 2017, the majority are being cut, and the remaining capacity to be cut are relatively small. In 2018, the in the government work report, which was released in March recently during the two sessions, the government set the target for 2018 to be 30 million for the steel and 150 million for coal. As well as for the coal-fired power generation units, a lot of the capacity are already being cut, especially in 2016 and 2017. The main feature for the government cutting the overcapacity is to use administrative measures, which means that they are going to ask you to shut down forcefully. The market has played well, very limited role in the capacity elimination. So, which lead to another problem, especially we see coal and steel. The price for coal and steel both rise sharply during 2016 to 17, and the market is getting better. And this leads to the reluctance of companies to shut down their factories. So, because the majority of capacity being cut during 2016 and 17 are already so-called idled capacity or non-operational capacity, they are relatively easy to, you know, eliminate. In 2017, the second half, the government realized it's becoming a issue, especially when coal price and steel price are on the rise. So, what they are trying to do. In 2018, which is lies in the middle between 2016 and 20, and it's a crucial year for the government to transform its method towards more market-driven. From our research, we found that they are going to implement,、uh, strengthen the implementation and law enforcement for environmental standards on on steel products and aluminium and coal and coal-fired power production. So this means that. Companies they have to internalize the cost to meet the government standards, which they have been pretty laxed in terms of enforcement. So they have to internalize the cost, which means that their production cost will increase and their profitability, even when steel and coal prices on the rise, will be shrinking. Especially for the ones who were not meeting the standard in the first place. So this is a beneficial thing for the companies who has been meeting standards before, and bad for the companies who has been not performing so well in the environmental regulation. And another thing the government is trying to do is to push forward the merge and acquisition between coal producers and steel producers. One reason is to increase the industrial con-、uh, concentration and create. Companies that are internationally competitive and large-scale ones, when they are doing the merger and acquisition, a lot of the assets, especially the ones the capacity that is not operational, will be eliminated. And lastly,、uh, which is a relatively, I would say, innovative approach, as we talked about the economic transformation and transition of China, the upgrade of the traditional industries themselves. The government started to implement something called capacity replacement. 
So capacity mean uh, capacity replacement means that if you are a factory and you want to start a uh, production on aluminium, steel, and coal, which are the three sectors mainly governed by the capacity replacement scheme, if you want to start new production, you either shut down equally equal uh, capacity of your old production, and something might happen. Well, I don't have the capacity that is being shut down. What can I do? Then you can buy it from market. And the methods and the criteria for the capacity are being very strict. You, it has to be advanced capacity. It has to meet certain environmental standards, and it has to use the high-end equipment. Through this way, that the government wants to foster the upgrade of the traditional industries in a way that is related to the broader transition of China's economy. This is a side question out of something that happened out of the Yanghui、uh, two sessions. If you're not so inclined in Chinese, China recently restructured like the state institutional reform plan. It used to have 48 separate government agencies. I, I believe, quoting the Economist, most rich developed nations have about 20. So, how would you feel that this restructuring of Chinese administration into larger super ministries? What impact will that have on the t- on the issue of overcapacity? From what I see, the two most relevant agencies are the ones: the Ministry of Ecology and Environment and the Ministry of、uh, Natural Resources. Both restructured and combined previous responsibilities from a lot of other agencies. So the Ministry of Natural Resources will be responsible for the things that MLR, which is Ministry of Land Resources, do. Who is previously doing approvals on the mining and coordinations with the mining companies? So, with the emphasis shifting from industrial investment towards more ecological civilization, a notion that was brought up in the 18th Party Congress, the investment into mining, the upper stream for steel and aluminium production, will be more difficult. The government will be strengthening the supervision on the environmental standards of the mining companies in China. But the fact being, China is highly reliant on the international market in both bauxite or iron ore. As I said before, overcapacity. One of the consequences is that if you cannot domestically consume it, you will export it. Which is perceived out of the Obama administration, of the Trump administration, as one of the reasons why China is exporting a lot of steel and aluminium into the U.S. market, as well as the European Union would feel the same. So this become the reason for them to initiate anti-dumping and anti-subsidy、um, investigations against China. They often find it confusing why China is exporting. These products at such low price and overcapacity certainly have motivation for the enterprise to export more. We see some promising progress with the U.S. and the EU. So in last December, there was a global forum on steel excess capacity in Berlin, Germany. And March 17th this year, Germany and China agreed to work on steel overcapacity at the G20. I think Donald Trump is in that meeting as well. With China have the willingness to cut the overcapacity and have the strength and have to talk about it and resolve it with the international market. Very promising to see what will happen next. 
It's a positive note to end on for what is a very unfortunately scary time for global trade. Ansin, thank you so much for your insights. I hope you enjoyed this little talk. Thank you for having me. You were listening to Ostcham podcast. To learn more, visit our website at beijing.ostcham.org.